0: Joel, chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage, Israel, because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land and have cast lots for my people and have traded a boy for a prostitute, and have sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you are paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head, swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hands of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations, consecrate for war, stir up the mighty men, let all the men of war draw near, let them come up, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am a warrior, hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there, bring down your warriors, O Lord, let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel.
1: Thanks, Bronwyn. Uh, Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you speak to us clearly through your word. And so we ask that this morning you would come and speak to us again by your spirit, through your word so that we might be more like your son. Amen. I wonder what comes to mind when you think about the word judgment or judgment day. Uh, In our culture being accused of being judgmental is one of the worst things that someone can say to you and yet at the same time we're desperate for verdicts to be delivered uh, for judgments to be made aren't we? Whether that's Um, Something pretty trivial, like voting a contestant off a reality TV show. Or whether it's something more serious, like demanding accountability from our politicians. Or ensuring that our criminal justice system works. uh, Or trying um, those soldiers who've committed terrible crimes in Ukraine. Judgment is, on the one hand, uh, something which we fear and uh, are repulsed by. And yet also something that we demand isn't it and what about in the church when we talk about uh, judgment what do we mean Or we talk about uh, fire and brimstone preaching don't we and often uh, that's termed in a negative sense we have this idea that judgment is something that's necessary but not necessarily something that is good but this morning i hope that as we read this next section in joel chapter 3 we're going to see God gathering the nations to judge them, not something uh, to be repulsed by, but something uh, that is not just a necessary evil, but something that is good, something that as Christians we can run to rather than shy away from. So if you're not there already, do grab one of the church Bibles and turn up to page 762. and That should get you to Joel uh, chapter 3. Uh, we're going to look at the section in four four sections. And the first thing that we're going to see in verses one to three is justice for the oppressed. Justice for the oppressed in verses one to three. It's been a few weeks now since we were in the Prophet Joel's letter. In the second half of chapter two, we had some incredible promises from God. He said to his people that if they would return to him with a whole heart, if they would repent of their sin, then he would take away the judgment that was upon them. He would reverse the damage that had been done uh, by the locusts and they would never be put to shame again. Instead, God would pour out his spirit upon him and all the associated blessings that comes with that. Now, though, as we enter chapter three, the focus shifts away from uh, God's people initially and to the nations uh, that surround them. and says this in verse one. For behold, in those days and at that time, When I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there. The picture Joel uh, paints is of God gathering the nations uh, in a valley, this valley of Jehoshaphat, which uh, literally translated means uh, the Lord has judged. A day is coming, says Joel, when God will deliver his verdict on all people there is an end point to history there is a conclusion things will not keep on going as they have been there will be a resolution but notice incredibly the motivation behind this drawing together of the nations and God delivering his verdict upon them, look what it says in verse 2 I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage Israel because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. God is going to judge, but he's going to do so on behalf of his people, Israel. Specifically, he's going to right the wrongs which have been committed against them, which we get a hint of here, that they have been scattered among the nations, that the land which God had given them has been divided up as the spoils of war. For Joel's original audience, this means uh, reversing the suffering that came through the exile to Babylon. The scattering of the people and dividing up of the land. The cruel treatment uh, through the hands of their enemies, which we see in verse 3. Where a picture is painted of an Israelite boy being sold into slavery uh, to cover the cost of a prostitute. The life of a girl only being uh, worth a bottle of wine. Here today we have... Uh, similar challenges, perhaps they're not as uh, familiar to all of us. Last Sunday, uh, Marantha Baptist and St. Moses Catholic Church met in the village of Rubu, which is in Nigeria. As their first services ended on on Sunday morning, uh, gunmen entered the building and began shooting. Three of the congregation were left dead and another 30 were abducted. Two weeks earlier on Pentecost Sunday in the same region, two other churches were burned to the ground and 32 people left their lives. Uh, Today, according to Open Doors, around 360 million Christians that's about one in seven of the world population of believers face this type of persecution and discrimination. Last year, almost 6,000 Christians were killed for their faith in Jesus. Another 5,000 churches were bombed, attacked, or burned down, or forced to close. And I'm aware that for some in this congregation, actually that type of suffering isn't far away. Your judgment is good news, because judgment brings with it the end of injustice, and the end of suffering. Not just taking away pain, but bringing about redemption and justice. You see, as we move on into verses 4 to 12, as well as there being justice for the oppressed, there is judgment for the oppressor in verses 4 to 12. God's indictment of the surrounding nations is handed down in detail in these verses. The charge sheet is read against them. They've robbed and ransacked God's temple, carrying off silver and gold that belongs to him. They've divided up the land that God led the Israelites into. They sold the people that God rescued out of slavery in Egypt as slaves themselves. But notice the repeated phrase in verses 4 and 7. God says, I will return your payment on your own head. In other words, God says, What you have done to my people, I will now do in return to you. The verdict that God delivers, the sentence that he hands down, is deserved. It is completely just. Verses 9 to 12, God then calls the nations up to battle in the valley of Jehoshaphat. Verdict Valley, where God will pass down his sentence. And in a tragic reversal of Isaiah chapter 2, the nations are told to beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. They're told to summon up all their resources, to gather everyone they can, all of their might. And come up against God as he sits in his judgment seat. But there's no dramatic tension here. There's no doubt about what will happen. There's no sense that the nations may be able to assemble enough resources to win an unlikely victory. God's judgment is inescapable. And so the cosmic language which we first heard at the back end of chapter 2 verse 31 is repeated in verse 15 as we're told that the sun and the moon will be darkened and even the stars will refuse to shine as God hands down his judgment on those who oppose him. Verse 16 echoes the startling beginning of the next book in our Bible, the book of Amos, as God himself roars like a lion and and causes the very foundations of the universe to shake. You see, fighting against God is like fighting a battle against gravity, it is unwinnable. And so for us here this morning, there is a sober warning for anyone who would play with God, for anyone who would set themselves up in the judgment sheet and judge him. One day God will come in judgment, and everyone will bow the knee before him. They won't do that either joyfully as their rightful king welcoming them home, or fearfully as their judge. But all of us will kneel. And yet, even here, even in Valley of Verdict, even at the very tip of God's judgment about to be handed down, there is mercy. There is hope for anyone who will turn in repentance. That's the next thing that we're going to see in verses 13 to 15 that there is mercy for the humble. Mercy for the humble. Judgment is near, but forgiveness is still possible. And verse 13 begins with a graphic picture of the overflowing sin and guilt of the nations being pictured as an overflowing winepress that needs to be pressed down. It's a harvest in desperate need of a sickle. God is not indifferent to sin, He will judge, and he will judge justly. But then comes verse 14, which says this, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near, we're told. We mustn't forget about it. We mustn't think that it isn't coming. But it isn't yet here. Verdict Valley, the place of God's coming judgment, is now also termed the valley of decision. God's just judgment will fall, but there is still a possibility of escape. Or as Peter puts it in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Why is it that alongside the incredible blessings and reversals of fortune that we see at the back end of chapter two, that are promised to God's people, that he also gives us a picture of God's coming judgment? Is it to encourage Christians as they keep going, as they keep suffering unjustly, as they are mocked, as they are imprisoned, as they are discriminated against, or as they are killed? Well, yes, yes. <laughs> That is a major reason for this being included in God's word. God's judgment is coming. Justice will be done. And so for those who are oppressed, for those who are beaten down, for those who struggle, the call is to keep going. But there's a second reason why we are spoken to so clearly about what God's judgment will look like. And that is so that we can take the offer of a way out from under it. Just as God said to the Israelites back in chapter two, yet even now if you return to me with all your heart, if your repentance is genuine, then God who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, may yet relent. And so God says to those who oppose him, seek him now while he may be found. Come to him where wrath and judgment and mercy meet at the foot of the cross this is what we celebrate this morning as we receive Holy Communion together isn't it that God is both God of justice who takes our sin seriously so seriously that he would allow his own sin his own son Jesus to choose to take that sin and the punishment that it demands upon himself God must deliver Jesus. God must deliver justice. But he has allowed Jesus to stand in place, to take on him the wrath in which each of us deserve. And so he calls to people and says, you today are in the valley of decision. If you have not yet trusted in Jesus, then you do face God's wrath and God's rightful judgment. But he's not willing that you should face it. He's patient with us. So perhaps there is someone here this morning who has heard the good news about Jesus. Perhaps have heard it many times, but has yet to act. And God says, don't wait. Act now. Turn to me and receive forgiveness. And when I come in judgment, bow before me, not in fear, but in joy. As your king as your Father, as your Lord. And finally, as we come to the end of this section of Joel, we see in that last verse, in verse 16, the promise of refuge for God's people. Despite their suffering, God's people always have a safe place to go. Finally, in the eye of the storm, in the centre of God's just judgment here, in the fury of his righteous judgment of sin, We find a place of refuge, a place of safety. God roars, we're told in verse 16, and heaven and earth themselves shake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. God will come in judgment one day. He will deliver justice to the oppressed finally. He will mete out judgment on those who refuse to bow the knee before him and continue to mistreat his people. He will deal finally with sin and with all its consequences. But that day is not fully here yet. And so while God's people long for a day of justice, they are invited as they hold out to keep going by sheltering in God's presence. Those of you who are parents uh, will know that there isn't anything uh, Perhaps more joyful and special than when a child comes to you and reaches out for you. Uh, whether that's uh, because they're scared, uh, whether that's because they've been hurt. When they come to you and reach out their hand uh, in complete dependence, uh, no parent will turn them away. And so God is pictured here as our father. He promises to be a refuge for those who suffer, a stronghold for those who are under attack, our very present help in time of need. And so as we struggle, as we suffer, as we long and as we wait for that day when God's judgment will finally appear, then we are invited to run to our Father and to shelter under his wings. What then does uh, Jaw chapter 3 teach us? Well, it reminds us very soberly that there is a day coming when judgment will be handed down. But that is not something to run from. That is for those who suffer to hold on to now. To know that there will be a day when justice will be done. But we must take that warning seriously. We must run to God in refuge. We must run to God in repentance. So that when he comes in judgment, we will be found safe in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word speaks clearly about your judgment. Lord, thank you that you do that not to frighten us, but Lord, to encourage us as we hold on for that day when all injustice will be reversed when everything that is wrong and sinful and shameful will be taken away and when there will be no more crying or death or disease but only paradise with you. But Lord, we pray that we would hear that warning for those who would stand against you that there is a day coming when we will kneel before you and Lord, we pray that each one of us would do that knowing that we have been forgiven, that our shame has been taken away and the wrath that we deserved has fallen on your son instead of us.